Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey friends, welcome to Heal Squad All-Stars, where you get to hear from our top guests. Think of it as a cheat sheet to a better you. All of the best takeaways from the top experts in one show. This Heal Squad All-Stars episode centers around brain health with memory guru and brain trainer Jim Quick and neuroscientist and brain expert Dr. Daniel Amen. Have your notebooks out and get ready to heal, my friends. This edition of Heal Squad All-Stars starts now. So first of all, I want to start with the childhood brain injury you had to overcome. What was that and, and, and what was that journey like? Yeah, I think a lot of people are really surprised when they see me on, on video or if they've seen me live on stage. I do these memory demonstrations where I'll be in front of a thousand people and I'll have a hundred people stand up and introduce themselves and I'll memorize all their names in real time. Or they'll give me a hundred numbers or a hundred words and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But people are very surprised because I tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I really do this to express to you what's possible. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, every single person who's listening right now could do that and a lot more. We just weren't taught. If anything, we were taught a lie that somehow our intelligence, our potential, our memory is somehow fixed like our shoe size. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 10 years than the previous thousand years combined. And what we found is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. Yeah. And the reason I know is because of what you asked is I... I grew up with um, severe brain injury. When I was five, I had a very bad fall in kindergarten class. Um, a very bad accident, rushed to the hospital. And my, my mother said I was never the same after that. Before that, I was very energized and very curious. But after that, I started have, um, I couldn't understand things. Teachers would repeat themselves over and over again. Um, I would pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand. I had poor focus, a poor memory. It took me an extra three and a half years to learn how to read. And so that was very challenging. Um, One of my teachers, when I was nine years old, was so frustrated with my slow learning. She pointed at me in front of the whole class and said, that's the boy with a broken brain. And that became my my label. And adults have to be very careful with their external words because they become a child's 
internal words. You think? And uh, so every time I didn't do well on a quiz, I wasn't picked for sports, which was like all the time, I would always say to myself, oh, it's because I have the broken brain. Oh, and it's just a, oh my God. a reminder to everyone who's listening, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, how to focus and read faster and improve your memory. But your self-talk is very important because your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program that will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you programmed your supercomputer not to. Yes. No, I program my supercomputer. I say the same thing and we all say it. I can't remember anybody's name. Oh my God, I'm so busy. I meet so many people. I know. But yet I can if I really focus hard. (laughs) And it's interesting too, because people come to me all the time saying, I'm just too old. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good at remembering names. And I always tell people, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm-hmm. If you fight, if you argue for your limits, they're yours. We started with that quote this morning. It oh, was good. real. <laughs> if you I, fight for your limitations. So I was like, oh my Lord. But we're so used to doing that. And um, and so I, I struggled all through school. And when I was um, when I was 18, I hit a wall. I, um, I, I wanted to make a fresh start as a freshman in college. And I... I um, I could not get it. I even thinking about it, I, I get like a little flustered because um, I, I really want to make my family proud. Um, you know, they had immigrated here. My dad came when he was 13. He lost both of his parents and then they couldn't afford to um, to have him. And, and uh, he came here to live with an aunt. And we lived in the back of a laundromat, didn't speak the language, um, you know, where my mother worked and everything. And so I really wanted to make them proud for all the hard work. And I was doing really badly. So I um, well, that actually, I don't mean to interrupt you, but mm. that also makes it harder when English isn't your first language. Right. So now you have a brain injury. You don't even speak the language because you're in kindergarten. I remember going to kindergarten, not speaking the language because I was Greek. Right. And so I was always two years behind everyone in reading and comprehension. It was always, I always had to work so much harder than everybody else. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, English really is, is my first language. My parents wasn't, but I mean, I, we grew up in that household, so it was always... It was always difficult, um, and I think it's not a matter of resources because you know it was not the education or the money or the connections. It was just re- it was more resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And so, anyone who's listening to this right now that's going through adversity, I want to remind you um, that difficult times they could they could define you, they could diminish you, or they could develop you. Mm. And ultimately, we decide, and we have agency. And that's really my message to people. It's not how smart you are or how smart your kids are or how smart your team is or how smart your spouse is. It's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart? And, um, and we're just not all the time. School is a great place to learn what to learn and what to think and what to remember, but they didn't necessarily show you how to learn and how to think and how to remember those things. Cause it's also very individual. It is because everyone. And sometimes school you know, the school system hasn't evolved as much as the world has evolved. And mm-hmm. some people would suggest it's a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach when everybody is individual. And we live in an age of autonomous electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars. But our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning and education is like a horse and buggy. And it's not a slight against teachers. My mother became a special education teacher because she didn't know how to help me with my challenges. Um, you know, so I feel like teachers are some of the uh, most most caring, compassionate uh, individuals out there. Um, and it's just the system hasn't changed as much. They say Rip Van Winkle woke up today, you know, the man who slept for decades. He woke up today, the only thing he would recognize are our schools. 
And um, oh my god, that's so it's crazy. crazy! But it's true. It is it's like history, math, exactly science. So if anyone's listening to this right now and you feel overloaded with too much to learn, too little time, like I imagine you have books on your shelf you haven't read yet, mm-hmm. and it becomes shelf help, not self help, <laughs> <laughs> or you get more than ten emails a day, um, you know, or how many people came to listen to this and they you know, when have a better memory. How many people forgot why you came here to listen to this, right? You ever walk into a room of your own home and you feel like, why am I here? Yep. Or you go to the store to buy one thing and you come back with two bags full of things, except for that one thing that you went to get. Yep. And when we're talking about technology, I think the ultimate technology is, um, is, is our mind. You know, we're born with the most incredible device out there. But most pe- more people upgrade their, their phones than they do upgrade their mind. And, you know, this controls everything nowadays. Everyone listening to this, you're not paid necessarily for your brute strength. It's your brain strength, right? It's not your, uh, your muscle power. It's your mind power, your ability to solve problems, your ability to be creative and use your imagination. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And um, so I think the most important skill to master in the 21st century is our ability to learn how to learn. And uh, they call it meta-learning. And that's what really my passion is, growing up as the boy with the broken brain who eventually learned how to... Um, I hit a wall when I was 18. I, I couldn't um, keep up, so I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't sleep. I, would just, I wouldn't work out. I would just live in the library. And one night, I passed out of, out of sheer exhaustion. And I fell down a flight of stairs in the library. I hit my head again. Oh, my God. And I woke up two days later in the hospital. And at this point, I was wasting away. I was down to 117 pounds hooked up to all these IVs, very dehydrated, malnourished. And I thought there had to be a better way. And when I had that thought, the nurse came in with a mug of tea. And on it was a picture of a genius, Albert Einstein, right? And it had these words on it. The quote said, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. And the same level of thinking that's created the problem won't solve it. It made me think of a, a new question, like, what's my real problem? It's like, I'm a very slow learner. And then I was thinking, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I can learn how to learn. And I just made that my focus for the next 60 days. And about two months into it, a light switch flipped on. Like I was studying like learning and speed reading and ancient mnemonics, brain science, adult learning theory, multiple intelligences. I wanted to solve this riddle of how does your brain work so you could work your brain? Like how does the memory work so you could work your memory better, right? And I found out that there's wow. no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's just a trained memory and an untrained memory. There's no such thing as a good or bad memory. Just a trained memory and an untrained memory. Can you explain that more? Yeah, so it's a, it, people think, and I, I teach this everywhere from Caltech to Harvard University to the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health, their doctors, their caregivers, their, uh, their researchers, their patients. And we find that one-third of our memory is predetermined by genetics and biology, but two-thirds is in our influence and our control. And uh, we're just not shown the best ways to activate that, you know, unused brain power. So things like a good brain diet, things like getting rid of automatic negative thoughts, things like um, exercise, which is, you know, what's good for your heart is good for your brain. Um, things like brain nutrients there are certain supplements that are just really good for your, for your brain health. Like the turmerics and the curcumin right. and all of that. And the uh, DHA, the omega-3 mm -hmm. fish oils. Um, so there, there are 10 things that we've isolated that really make a difference to really light up your, your amazing brain, give you the brain you desire and really the brain that you deserve. But I started studying this for about two months and then a light switch flipped on and I started to understand things for the first time. 
at the age of 18, I started to have better focus, improved memory, and my grades shot up, but then also my life opened up also. Wow. And because of that, I was really upset that this wasn't taught back in school. This would have saved a lot of suffering and struggling. And so I started to tutor. And my one of my very first students, she was a freshman in college. Imagine this, Maria. She, she read 30 books in 30 days. Imagine going to the bookstore. I think all bookstores should have like shopping carts. Some people just buy a lot of books and I'm one of those people. Or you go online and you buy you know, 30 books, leadership, negotiation, parenting, you know, relationships, and, uh, you know, to get better, right? And, uh, but she read 30 of them in 30 days. And I wanted to find out not how she did it. She did it. I knew how she did it because I taught her. I want to know why. I'm always interested in motivation. So many people. So you taught her how to speed read. And she read 30 books in 30 days. Okay. And, I, and then you wanted to know why she was interested in doing it in the first place. Why she? Because a lot of people, my, my thing with knowledge, I think there's a lie in the personal growth space um, and high performance space. And I think the biggest lie is, and it's, it's not um, ill mean, it's just, it's knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's accurate. I think knowledge is potential power. It only comes power when we use it because all the books or the coaching or the podcast, none of it works unless we work. Unless we apply. Right. And you can't read a book about, you know, you know, pushups and, you know, get really strong just by reading that book. You have to be able to apply it. And so I have a whole process for taking knowledge and turning it into power. And it really starts, and I would encourage everybody to focus on this. The questions really are the answer. When you think about what thinking is, like our life is a reflection of our thoughts, our daily thoughts, the sum total, because that determines our focus and our behaviors and how we feel. Um, and interesting, as a bonus for everyone listening, you have one, one dominant question that you're asking all the time. Because like, thinking is nothing but the process of asking and answering questions. And if you're asking yourself, is that true? Notice you have to ask a question to see if that's true, to think about it. And there's certain questions we ask all, all more often. They say we have about sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day. But a lot of that is one specific question. Um, so, for example, I took a friend of mine through this process, and um, and I found out her dominant question that she asked hundreds of times a day is, "How do I get people to like me?" Mm, isn't that kind of yeah common? It's it's interesting, and I think it's it is more common than than most people think. But just think about it. You don't know her age. You don't know her career, her ethnic background. You don't know where she lives. You don't know what she looks like. But you know a lot about her because you only know one question. Like, what would that person's personality be? If you're a pleaser, people pleaser, like a sycophant. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a little bit of a martyr because she's always giving mm-hmm. of herself. Yep. And not replenishing. Um, easily the victim. Easily the victim. And she's always placating. And so you know so much about her and you know one question she asks herself. And so, um, you know, I, I just, uh, last night there was a, a movie premiere and, um, and it was for, uh, for Will Smith's new movie, Gemini Man. And we were, we were, I was talking to him and I'd worked with him a number of times and I found out his question was, how do, how do I make this moment even more magical? Like if you obsessed about that one question, how do you get make how do I make this moment even more magical? It would explain a lot of you know your behavior. And so my question growing up as the boy with the broken brain, I would always my superpower because I talk about superheroes a lot because I learned how to read by reading comic books late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, my you know my parents thought I was sleeping. I'd be underneath the covers with a flashlight. And uh, something about the stories about good versus evil, about one person can make a difference that they provide not only hope, but real help for people. 
um, you know, much much like you do for your listeners. And so I feel like everybody has the potential to wear this cape on their back. And um, but when I couldn't, you know, read, I wanted to my my thing, my superpower was I just wanted to be invisible. Like I didn't I didn't want to be called on in class. I would always shrink and shrink and shrink because I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be heard. And ultimately I think all of us want to be understood. And I uh, acknowledged, but not at that time in my life. And so because of that, my question was, how do I make this better? That literally was my question. How do Isn't I make this funny? better? That's what I think constantly is how do I make this better? Even if I'm out at a restaurant, how, do, how would I make this better? Everywhere I am. And I learned it when I was at a Tony Robbins seminar. And he was like, I'm always trying to figure out how to make things better. And it connected. I'm like, that's what I do all the time. The through line between everything. Yes. And then you start getting answers all the time. It's like you're, you're part of your brain called the reticular activating system, RAS, where at any moment, people don't realize this, our brain primarily is a deletion device. It's trying to keep information out. There's like a billion stimulus you could focus on, but you can only focus on about five to nine bits of information, seven plus or minus two. New research, that's out of Harvard. Um, but re- new research says about four bits of information. But at what, a time? At a time, because what, what actually gets in are things you have questions about. It's like years ago, my sister, a younger sister, was sending me postcards and emails with a photograph of like a pug dog. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't know why. And I realized her birthday was coming up, so she was planting seeds, right? Uh-huh. But I started to see these pug dogs everywhere. I would go to the grocery store and somebody's checking out online mm-hmm. holding a pug dog. I'd be jogging in my neighborhood and I'd see someone walking six pug dogs. And my question for everybody is who's listening is where were the pugs dogs before? Mm-hmm. Of course they were always there. I just never paid attention because it wasn't important because I wasn't asking the question. And in life, the answers are everywhere. Even when we're reading, have you ever read a page in a book, got to the end and just forgot what you just read? All the time. And you go back and you reread it and you, you still times. don't know what you just read. Yep. A lot of it has to do with the questions because if we had questions in advance, then all of a sudden as you're reading, you say, oh, there's a pug dog, there's a pug dog, there's yes. a pug dog. Oh my God, that's when a book connects so much. When, you, when you're interested, yes. you, auto, you have a curiosity around yes. it. Yes. And what I'm saying is, is we don't have to, oh, here's another myth. It's, um, I have a, a book coming out and I wrote all about this. It's to get your power back, people are always hypnotizing themselves into submission. I mean, they're giving away their sovereignty, their power by the words that they choose. They'll say something like, I don't have motivation, or I don't have creativity, or I don't have focus, I don't have energy today. But the word have denotes something, it's either it's in your possession or it's not. And so if you wake up that way, you're at the effect, as opposed to taking those nouns and turning them into verbs. So you don't actually have focus, you do focus. Mm. You don't have creativity. You do creative things. You don't have energy. There's a process for creating energy in your mind and your body. You don't even have a memory. You you create a memory. And so there's an actual process of encoding and storing and retrieving it. But if you just, if you say you have it or you don't have it, then you, you don't have any power and then you can't make it better mm-hmm. without that. And so that's why I think that Recently, I got to, here in LA, introduced to, um, a couple years ago, a few years ago, introduced two of my uh, modern-day superheroes together. It was um, Richard Branson and Stan Lee. And Stan Lee, the little, you know... That must have been epic for you, being a comic book. It was. It really was. He's amazing. Yes. And we were going to dinner, and I asked, you know, I'm always curious. We're in the car, and I had to ask... If you know who's your favorite, so you created Iron Man and Avengers and Fantastic Four and Spider Man. Who's your favorite? He says, Jim, it's Iron Man. And he said, Jim, who's your favorite? 
and he had um, this big um, Spider-Man tie that I posted on Instagram. And I was like, Spider-Man, of course. And he, without a pause, he says, Jim, with great power comes... Great responsibility. Yeah. And we all know that. It's like in our mm-hmm. DNA. And I have these, you know, I have had a series of head injuries and I tend to reverse things in my mind sometimes. I mean, even when I'm reading and I, and I heard something different, I said, you know, right, Stan, you're right. With great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. When you, with great responsibility comes great power. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make it better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we try to get, we don't want the responsibility. We don't want the burden, but that's the only way that, that we can get things done is to be able to claim it. So um, I found my passion because I found out this young lady, she read 30 books in 30 days. Her motivation, because again, knowledge is not power, it's potential power because common sense is not common practice. We all know we should meditate and journal and work out and eat right, but few people do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And you know why wouldn't we do the things that are just good and make us make us better? And um, I'm I'm always trying to figure out what how do you go from information here to inspiration to implementation? Yep. To ultimately to the fourth eye, which is really integration, where it becomes part of who you are. And I found out through motivation that her motivation was her mother, that her mother was dying of terminal cancer, was only given sixty days to live. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Books like um, <laughs> by the authors that you've had on your show and, um, and you know, books on wellness and health and um, longevity. And I wished her luck, said prayers. Um, six months goes by and I don't hear from her and I get a call out of nowhere and she's crying, crying, crying. And I find out when she stops that there are tears of joy and her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. They called it a miracle, mm-hmm. but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from uh, her daughter who learned it from all these books. And in that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. And it's the greatest superpower that we have. Because if there was like, like if there was a genie that could grant any one wish, just one wish, of course we would ask for more wishes, right? Millions of wishes. <laughs> but if I was a learning genie and I could grant you any one learning wish to help learn any subject or skill, like better and faster, the equivalent of asking for a million wishes is asking learning how to learn. Because if you can learn how to learn, you could apply that towards Mandarin, martial arts, marketing, music, any anything gets easier. And that that's really my passion is showing people they're real genius. Okay, so let's get to our interview with Ooh. Dr. Amen. So excited. Uh, the Washington Post called him the most popular psychiatrist in America. Has uh, He's revolutionized brain research, scanning, and mental health diagnoses through his eight clinics and millions of followers spread across the U.S. His revolutionary work has garnered praise from movers and shakers like Dr. Phil to Miley Cyrus. And as Jeff said earlier, he's noticed a dramatic shift in his usual clientele during COVID-19 and recognizes that this chapter of our human history is just as risky for mental health as it is for physical health. So Dr. Eamon, thanks so much for joining again. Hi, Maria. Good to see you. Great to see you. I love the blue shirt. (laughs) Out of the black. It's like there's enough black with the coronavirus. Yeah. So true. Tell me, um, since we, we've just mentioned that your usual clientele has shifted, what has it shifted to? What have you seen that's different? 
You know, the incidents of people who are suicidal just skyrocketed. I mean, obviously, as a psychiatrist, it's something I've dealt with my whole career, but never in the numbers that we're seeing now, that isolation often leads to hopelessness Mm -hmm. and people don't see a way out. Um, So suicidal behavior, addictions have just skyrocketed and this uh you know you and i have talked about the ants the automatic negative thoughts that steal your happiness they're just running over yeah explain that for people who may not have seen that episode it's a really important thing to know so whenever you have a thought your brain releases chemicals and whenever you have a happy thought your brain releases chemicals that make you feel good and whenever you have a sad thought your brain releases chemicals that make you feel sad. Thoughts are automatic. They just happened. And about 30 years ago, I coined the term ants, automatic negative thoughts, the thoughts that come into your mind automatically and ruin your day. And so you need to develop and every other thought, your brain releases, you need to develop an internal anteater to kill the ants, to get rid of them. So they don't infest your mind. And anyone who's watching the news now has a higher ant population Mm. because they're just all over our society. So what's the raid? (laughs) So the raid is, (laughs) I love that, whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking. And ask yourself, is it true? If you can absolutely know that that's true. And learning how to discipline your thoughts is just critical to um, being happy, being purposeful, and not be overwhelmed with negativity. So some people have a bias toward positivity, But so many of my patients have a bias toward negativity, which literally feeds depression and feeds anxiety disorders. Where you bring your attention determines how you feel. And so if I bring my attention to the really wonderful people in my life and the purposeful nature of our work, my grandbabies, I feel happy. But if I bring my attention to the societal unrest, the political divide, the scary things of no toilet paper in the grocery stores, I'm going to feel anxious and afraid. So I can literally train my brain to look for what's right or train my brain to look for what's wrong. I love that. I think kind of egotistically also, we're all trying to predict, right? Because we want to be right. So I find myself wanting to predict what's going to happen. And I'll be like, oh, I think this is going to happen. Or I think that's going to happen. And I'm like, wait, I'm obsessing about stuff that has no, like, there's nothing that I can really predict and nothing I can really control because you're you're trying to figure out what's the solution to all of this. How can I get out of this pain? How can I you know, try to anticipate what's coming so that I'm ready for it. Um, are you finding that people are are kind of in that space and maybe that's also bringing like darkness? 
Well, one of the ants, I have nine different kinds of ants that I talk about and dragons, which we might mention, but the ants, there's a fortune telling ant where you arbitrarily begin to predict Mm -hmm. things are going to turn out badly, even though you don't have clear evidence for it. And that is the ant that drives panic attacks. Every patient I've ever had that have had panic attacks, they're masterful at predicting the worst. And then they just make things worse. So before I knew how to really manage my mind, I would always be in the future with fear. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that gives you tummy aches and it gives you headaches and it gives you relationship problems. And I realized the only people who should really be predicting the worst are contract lawyers. So you want (laughs) your lawyer to predict the worst for you and make sure the contract's right. But other than that, you really want to start looking at what's right, not at just what is wrong. Yeah, I know because when I was, before I hit the road, gosh, it's been like six weeks or so, um, I had gotten to like a darker place because I was thinking about what was coming and it was just so dark what was coming in my head. And I was so fearful and, you know, almost like the world was like starting to kind of cave in a little. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And Kevin, my husband was like, you're going to bust. You need to get out. And luckily I had been asked to go speak at Tony Robbins seminar in Florida. And that was my out. I left. And when it was time to come home, my husband said, don't come home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, you need a break. And what's funny is I'm here in the woods um, with family and, you know, Kelsey and friends and everything just changed. You know, I've stopped thinking about those things. I've stopped watching the news. I'm totally focused on my, you know, health and my work and whatever. And just the breeze and the trees are changing everything for me. And I know it's because my focus is there and in awe of the the nature that I'm seeing and the garden and whatever. And I'm not focusing on that because, as you said, focus equals feeling. And so if we can shift where our focus is going, we can shift what we're going to feel. So two tiny habits that will help you with this every day is when you wake up in the morning, say to yourself, today is going to be a great day. That's actually on the top of my to-do list. Mm -hmm. Because when I say that to myself, then my unconscious mind finds why today is going to be a great day. And for those of you who have children, if you do this at breakfast, it will set the kid's day up to be positive. And then before you go to bed at night, um, what I do is I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And I just review the good things about my day, which sets my dreams up to be more positive. Now, the pandemic has not been all joyful for me. You know, I have eight clinics around the country. We had to close our Manhattan clinic for a couple of weeks because one of my Um, young employees ended up on a ventilator. Um, And then er my mom and dad and sister got COVID. And then in early May, I lost my dad. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. 
And the night I lost my dad, and it was a stressful day, but because when I go to bed, I have this routine, it's a habit, right? All of us have habits. Uh Because it was a habit, I went, what went well today? And even though it was a terrible day, I got to be there for my mom. Mm. I got hundreds of texts from my friends, from his friends, and there were so many beautiful parts to that day. And so I actually slept like a baby. And you have to develop these things as habits. So when a pandemic comes, it doesn't run over you, right? I mean, we all have pandemics in our lives, whether you get divorced, you get diagnosed with cancer, you lose your job, you have financial problems, right? I mean, this has just magnified everything Mm -hmm. for us. But the night it happened, for me, it was March 10th because I got um, a trip completely canceled. I was going to New York for a new book launch. And I wrote down mental hygiene is just as important as washing your hands. Mm -hmm. We need to disinfect our thoughts because the next pandemic is a mental health pandemic. And we already know since March, depression has doubled. So we need to, this is serious stuff. Uh, Learning how to manage our mind in the middle of an election season where the news literally is not the news anymore. It's clickbait. What is going to get you to tune in to watch? And you have to turn it off, especially around children, right? I mean, read the paper, read on your phone app for like 10 minutes a day, and then you need to leave it alone because it's actually not the news anymore. It's to steal your attention. Yeah. Wow. Um, I used to have that morning habit. I would do some like yoga poses in the morning and I'd, I'd finish just hugging like the sun and just saying today's going to be a great day. And every time I did it, it was every time I did it, every time I didn't do it, it was shaky. (laughs) And I do my gratitude list at night. And I have spoken about this often. You realize that you only before that, you'll remember the things that were bad in the day. But if you do the gratitude list, you'll be so surprised that there are so many really great things that happen that you actually forgot and just totally took for granted. I say that so that I can reinforce what you just said. But I I do want to ask, because so many people have suffered with loss in COVID, whether it was to COVID or um, another ailment or situation accident or some version of death, and... The trauma of not being able to be with that person (coughs) is something I can't even imagine. So I wonder if you could walk people through (coughs) how this uh, experience was for you. Obviously, you have incredible tools in your pocket. Um, You know, this is, you know... um, probably different for you. And the reason we do this show every day is to arm people with tools so that when their pandemic hits, they don't get run over because we all are going to get hit at some point with some crisis and we need to be ready. Um, Take us through that. If you would, I didn't know that information about your dad and I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that, but I think that you could probably help a lot of people who are suffering. And I've seen on my Instagram, lots of people who are sad and lost somebody and it's traumatic right now. 
It is. And what I decided to do was go on Facebook uh, for two months and just talk about grief and loss and how do you do this? So um, the death dragon. So I have a new book coming out in March called Your Brain is Always Listening. And part of it is about the dragons from the past that breathe fire on your emotional brain. And one of the 13 dragons is the grief and loss dragons. Um, and it's like, you know, it can be from losing someone you love to losing something important like your health or your money um, your or to even losing an idea like we're going to go back to school in the fall. Um, all of those things can lead to grief. And so how do you deal with that? And, and the first thing is you tell yourself the truth, that it's sad. When my dad died, my wife, the first week after, I would just sit in my office and cry listening to his voicemails mm. because I knew it was important not to block the sadness. Mm. And so honor him. And then crazy thing happened, like Four days later, I'm at my mom's house going through stacks of paper with her. And then I see a picture of my dad dead in the mortuary uh, before they cremated him. And I'm like, and that picture started to haunt me. Ooh. And I just noticed, I thought about it with irritation and sadness like five times that day. And there's a simple technique called havening. It's based on something called alternate hemisphere stimulation. Um, and I don't know if you've heard about EMDR, but it's the same thing. It's a specific psychological treatment for trauma, except what you do is you take your hands, put them on your shoulders, cross your arms, put them on your shoulders, and just stroke down for 30 to 60 seconds. And so I got that image that was terrible in my mind. And as I did that, the image started to change. And I would say things like, my dad's at peace. I'm so grateful I had him. He will always live in me and through his babies and grandbabies. And I have to tell you, after about an, a minute, I could tell the picture had no power over me. And then it became a picture I actually um, love because it's the last image of him. And so whenever you're upset, whenever you just feel that anxiety come, feel it. So too many people block it. They overeat, they're smoking pot, they're drinking alcohol. No, that's just the wrong thing for your brain. Feel it, but then stimulate. Because, you know, when you're holding your left shoulder, it's actually stimulating the right side of your brain. And when you're holding your right shoulder, it's stimulating the left side of your brain. And doing this together calms the fear center in your brain and activates your frontal lobes. And so um, too often, we just don't have the tools to get rid of the anxious, negative thoughts and feelings. And then obviously write down the negative thoughts you have because with grief often comes guilt. I should have, could have, would have. Uh, and those things just aren't helpful. 
And then what I always say, when it comes to grief, fix sleep first, because grief can really mess with sleep. But if you don't sleep, it turns off 700 health promoting genes and you're going to get sick yourself. And throughout this pandemic, despite the losses, I think my stress level has been like on a scale of one to 10 of three, because I just believe that whatever is going to happen, I'm going to be able to manage. And part of it is I've managed the death dragon. And that's the dragon that you almost think of the um, second to last episode of Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. when Daenerys was on the dragon and just wiped out King's Landing. Well, so many people have that image about what's going on. And the fact is, we're all going to die. If you don't deal with the death dragon, your life is going to be much harder. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is the psychiatrist, was famous for her book on death and dying, wrote that it is the denial of death that is partially responsible for people living empty, meaningless lives. Because when you think you're going to live forever, um, you don't do the things you know that you must do today. And so um, I've been wrestling with my death dragon ever since I was in college and took a class on death and dying. But it's just so important. I actually have the seven things that are good about dying. I just carry them around in my head. I don't have to deal with LA traffic anymore. I don't ever have to see the dentist that, you know, really, I mean, he's got a drill and sharp objects that he puts in your mouth. Like I'm not okay with that. I don't have to play chicken with the cyclist on the road anymore. It's like, why are you trying to get me to kill you? (laughs) That is hilarious. Um, Oh my. Well, I, um, I wonder when you talked about the shoulders being the left and the right side, can you explain that a little bit more? Because that was very interesting to me. So whenever you touch the left side of your body, it's actually felt in the right side of your brain. Ah. And the same thing is true. So for the right side, because your brain has um, tracks that cross, so which is why if you get a left hemisphere stroke, you're paralyzed on the right side. Well, researchers have found in studying treatments like EMDR that when you stimulate both hemispheres at the same time, that it actually calms down the fear centers in the brain. And it's just so simple, so powerful. I had a child that was, their parents read them a scary book. Don't read children's scary books. And right, if you look at Grimm's fairy tales, they're grim. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't do that before bed unless you hate your children. <laughs> and, um, but the child just got stuck on it. And the mom, he's one of my patients. The mom called me, what do I do? And what we did was this alternate hemisphere stimulation, you know, stimulating his left and right arms like this and gave him some really simple suggestions and he went to sleep and the book the book is called the book that eats people oh I mean, my lord do not read that book to children oh my um, lord <laughs> I wonder, yeah, so I was thinking even for my mom, because her left side is so weak because of the brain tumor on her right side, that would mean to stimulate the left side, she would have to touch her right shoulder and her right side to try to get her left side to work, right? Right. 
Um, and in physical therapy, they have techniques to help her do that. Oh, that's so interesting. But if she's anxious, if she's stressed and she can't reach, well, somebody can do that for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to just start patting her right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, Maria, what are you doing? <laughs> Kevin, go do it on both sides. And another simple way to do it is just take your hands and do this. Yeah. And so, like, if you're in public and you're nervous about something, this might be a little too much for you. But if you do this, people aren't going to have, you know, they're not going to think you're crazy. What a great and tip. I love it's that. stimulating, again, both sides of the brain at once. And that's and what calms the fear center down. And that calms it down. Is it because yeah. it confuses the fear center so it doesn't have time to think if you're doing this? Both sides are firing, so it's like, we're busy. We don't have time to be afraid. I think, no, I think it helps integrate Interesting. the information. Interesting. And too often when people have been traumatized, so we also have a wounded dragon, um, and the wounded dragon is now everywhere, Um You just have to watch, uh, you know, the president or Governor Cuomo's press conferences. And there's just so much bad news in those (laughs) press conferences, right? That we're we're wounded. And if you don't know how to process wounds, trauma, they get stuck in your emotional brain. And this just helps to get them unstuck. And so you actually bring up the trauma. So you've like focused on that picture. And then as I did this, the energy around the picture went away. And then you plant new pieces of information. He's at peace. He's not suffering. I love him. He'll always be in me. And then it just goes away. It dissipates. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. 
So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.